The following program contains material that may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, welcome to Corn on the Macabre. I'm Katie Atkins. I'm Katerine. And I honestly am not 100% sure how to even say the word macabre. I say macabre, but some people go macabre, and I'm like, is it? Is it other really? I don't know. I need to ask a French person. I always thought it was macabre. I always thought it was macabre, too. But Even before we started the podcast. But maybe it's like macabre. I don't know. French people are weird. Speaking of French macabre people. Macabre Macabre cadabra. <laughs> um, speaking of French people, I watched the weirdest movie last night. I don't know if you caught the clips of it in my Instagram story. Oh, yeah, that's what that was. (laughs) But it's called, uh, it's a French film called, um, gosh, Le Pacte de Loup, which means Brotherhood of the Wolf. And it is this bizarre-ass story. The movie's way too fucking long. It's two and a half hours of this big beast that has been attacking people in the French countryside and, like, shredding people to ribbons. And everyone assumes it's a big wolf, so they go hunting for wolves. The main character's best friend is is a Native American that he basically, like, became friends with and took back to France with him. Mm-hmm. And the Native American is, like, really spiritually connected to wolves and is like really upset at the fact that people are like murdering all these wolves because he's like i don't think a wolf is killing people y'all don't understand wolves the way i do yeah they're very majestic creatures for an older film though it it does have a couple moments where it's it is like racially aware outside of the fact that they call him an indian constantly Mm. which is stupid because it's in the subtitles Like, it's a French movie. They're all speaking French, and the subtitles are, like, Indian, Indian. And I'm like, you could have just written Native American. Yeah. But maybe they were saying the French word for... You had your chances. Well, maybe they were saying the French word for Indian as in India. So for, like, the first, like, 40 minutes of the film, I thought the man was from India. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I didn't connect that he was Native American because he's dressed like a Frenchman, so, like... He's just a tan guy. Right. No other distinct factors. So it wasn't until they were like, oh, yeah, I got him in New France, you know, in the New World and shit. And I was like, what? This man isn't from India? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) There are parts of it that are definitely worth watching, but the movie overall is, like, fucking bizarre. I'm not going to go into spoilers, and it's not even set during the medieval era. I just had to talk about it because it was just so ridiculous of a film. Right. It's actually... I mean, it looked interesting. But anyways, we're supposed to be talking about the medieval times, the Middle Ages, the Dark Mm -hmm. Ages, if you will. Yeah, so I thought about doing this because we were driving down to Florida, and I just had a very random thought because I was very bored. And I was like, you know, we think dragons are super cool, but what if they were super scary back in the day and people were legit terrified of dragons like they were the boogeyman? And then I started wondering what other creepy shit was going on um, during medieval times and decided I wanted to look into it. And it turns out like a lot of creepy shit that we know now originates from medieval 
days, which I thought was kind of cool, like mermaids, unicorns, and um, Frankenstein, and just but like I don't know, Frankenstein was written by Mary Shelley. Okay, so but it's not not like the actual Frankenstein, but the idea of it, like being sewn together with other parts. Oh, Iwis. Yeah. So like people back then were like, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Well, see, it wasn't people doing it. It wasn't like a real thing, but it was definitely like um, like a mythology. Like Story. there's, for example, there was a dead guy who was sewn to like bits of a horse. Ew. And he, yeah, and he lived in the water and would eat people on the shores of Ireland. So yeah, that was a thing. I'm gonna touch on unicorns. What made mm-hmm. me want to look into it was in that movie I watched last night. Taxidermy is a huge part of it. A lot of people would taxidermy mythical beasts and then sell it for a lot of money. Oh. And so that was part of the movie I watched last night was that people kept taxidermying like these mythical type creatures and then traveling to another country to sell it for a shit ton of money. So like since the guy had gone to the New World, he claims that he found a furry fish in Canada. Like, fish do not have fur, but he was just really good at taxidermy and, like, tricked a bunch of people into thinking, Canada's so Mm. cold, their fish have fur on them. So they weren't real mythical creatures, they just made them look like it? Yeah, they, like, made up shit. Because they took... Like, a fantasy thing. Yeah, well, it made me think, I bet people back in the day did do that with fantasy creatures. And that's what made me look into, like, unicorns and stuff, is because I was like, where the fuck does that even come from? Like, why does the idea of a unicorn exist? Like, did someone taxidermy a horn onto a horse? Mm Mm-hmm. So, a lot of what I read, I ended up going into, like, cryptozoology. I stumbled upon an article that was, like, legit as fuck about where it came from and why it originated and stuff. And apparently a lot of the monsters, I didn't do too much digging into it. Cause I was like, this isn't what I want to get into. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, apparently most of it comes from just symbolic stuff. Like the Phoenix came from medieval times and it was supposed to get people used to the idea of reincarnation and kind of accept it and accept but, Christian ideas. And but reincarnation like isn't Christian ideas. It's a little bit well, more whatever, pagan. Well, they, it was symbolic of reincarnation. Well, actually, now I think about it, reincarnation is not pagan. It's, that's, isn't that Hinduism? Well, I mean, didn't Jesus rise from the dead? I guess to make it be, like, possible for Jesus and the special exceptions, but, like, everyday yeah. people, us mortals. They're just like, you should learn to accept this in specific fantastical situations. There was just some creatures where I was like, where the actual flying fuck did this come from? There was one creature called a, uh, oh, fuck, did I really forget the name of it? It's called, like, a parpor, give me a second, medieval, it's a cat, medieval. Was it the, are you talking about the pard? Yeah, pard. The fact that they were just stupid and were like, I don't know what that is, that cat. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a cheetah. Yeah, it's a fucking cheetah. It's a cheetah. But they didn't know what it was at the time, so they were just like, we're going to call it a pard. I, I don't know. They said, they said it was That if, was a great name. But. It was like if a leopard and a lion mated or something yeah. is like what they well, thought it actually, was. So that one is the crocata. So the crocata. There's cro- another fictional cat? Yeah, there's two. So there's the pard, which is um, everybody believes now that it's the cheetah. And then there's the crocata which was part dog, part wolf, or part lion. 
Um, and it was supposed to live in Africa or India and be extremely aggressive toward both humans and dogs. That's a hyena. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. The creature I was originally going to talk about was called the uh, Blemier. Did you mm-hmm. come across that? What is it? Blemier. The Blemier. The Blemier. No. It's uh. Well, if you don't recognize it, I'll just tell you when we get to it. But I'm going to let you go first. But I did realize we both have, like, mini stories and then our main thing. Yeah, I did want to get at that first. So maybe let's talk about our mini stories first. So, okay, you already touched on part of it because I was like, there's two things I immediately learned about medieval lore and cryptids, like, right off the bat. First thing is when they don't know the name of something, they think it's a mythical creature and they give it a crazy name like the part or the crocata. Yeah. And, then, and then the second thing is they just love to combine shit that they thought was creepy or scary or that the combination would be scary. So these people are I have so a, bored. They had to have been. Yeah. So, I mean, a couple examples of that. And my final the final one is the real kicker and I love it so much. So we got mermaids. I don't think I need to explain that. Obviously, it's a combination. Then there's a Herco service, which was supposed to be half deer and half goat. I don't know why that's scary. It also said that it doesn't hurt people. I guess it's just weird looking. Would that be like Um, an antelope? Maybe. Oh, maybe. (laughs) Maybe that's it. Maybe that goes in my other category. Then you have the manticore, which is a creature that has four feet. His head resembles that of a man, but that in size is comparable to a lion. And the tail of this animal puts out hairs a cubit long and sharp as thorns, which he shoots like arrows at those who hunt it. And I've heard different kinds of descriptions of a manticore, but that's the one from medieval era. And then... I feel like I need like a photo of that. That's like, is that the lion head thing? So you're thinking of manticore, but we're think- you're thinking of, like, today's version of a manticore. This is what they thought of. And I can send you a picture oh, of it. Oh, yeah. Today's version is, like, dragon wings, lion body. Yeah. Okay. With, like, a scorpion tail. Yeah, yeah the scorpion tail. So that's not what yeah. a manticore was to them? No. At the time, he had the head of a man, but <gasps> was shaped like a lion and had the tail with thorns that he shot like arrows. But there's nothing, like with wings or anything like that that we know of now. It's not the D&D manticore. Okay, have you noticed how in medieval times they everyone is super shitty at drawing animal faces? Yes. What is up with that? that. What is, they were like, it has the face of a human because I can't draw a cat. Like, what is this? Maybe that's why so many of these creatures have the face of a man is because they just didn't know how to draw anything It's like those really awkward pictures of like medieval cats. Mm-hmm. It's like, has no one seen a cat before? <laughs> they just don't know how to draw it, I guess. It's so weird. I'm like, were y'all blind or did cats like look real fucking weird? Honestly, those day? could be crazy, scary mythological creatures on their own. Just the drawings of those fucking cats. Yeah. <laughs> if a cat with a face, anything similar to those paintings came at me, I'd be like, here. Hold up. Here's everything. <laughs> like, here's my whole life. Here is my savings account. Here is, like, just leave. Just take whatever you want and leave, you weird, terrifying cat. Weird creature, yeah. I agree. Um, but this is my final and my favorite yeah. um, example of a combination creature. Who could forget the vegetable lamb? 
That shit's so scary. I saw okay, a picture and I was like, fuck that. It's a vegetable lamp that was believed to be attached to the plant by its umbilical cord, and it just grazed the area accessible around the plant. It's so creepy, and it, like, shows it, like, <laughs> growing up into the sky. I, I saw it, and I was like, I have to talk about this, because there's no way I'm just going to let this exist. Who the fuck thought of that and was like, this is a thing, this is real, and if not, it should be. It's so creepy. Yeah. So, um, mine is, like, like a mix, like a little, little melting pot of stories, because some of them are just things that people... My list is basically weird stories or shit that people during the medieval era believed to be true, and some of it are things that are said to be true, but, like, cannot be historically proven, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So, uh, let me pull up my shit really quick, because I didn't do that, like, a doofus. Well, while you wait, there is one thing I forgot to tell you that oh, okay. I do want to break up. Yeah. So, um, during the same era in Estonia, they had their own mythology, and I really wanted to cover this tonight, but I could not get any information of it other than a general description. But it sounds terrifying and it looks creepy in all of the pictures. It's like this big ass bear thing, only bigger. And then it has a mouth like a tremor from that movie. Um, but it's terrifying. Okay, so they called him Clum King. And he's malevolent supernatural creature in the country. He's believed to be a restless spirit of an unholy dead that eats children whenever they bother the forest. But he's also scary because he'll attack you for just no reason at all. He's just hungry and out for vengeance. So kind of like a bull shark. He, 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 do, he leaves kids alone unless they bother the forest. But if you're just like an everyday adult, he'll come at you for no reason. And then it's also said that when the earth dies, he will come back and wander to cause lots of damage. He also has like a bunch of haunting places. So you never know where he's going to be within Estonia and he can possess people. So he's just rampaging and causing all kind of havoc. It's like they took all the supernatural shit and just put it into one thing. I'm surprised you couldn't find more on it. Part of that was that um, an Estonian death metal band decided that they were going to name their band that. So oh, whenever I which is a great it, it was just like, listen to our music. <laughs> uh, there is this one story that people believe to be true during the medieval era. It took place right at the beginning of the medieval era because it was in 1339. Mm-hmm. But I read this and was like, how fucking creepy would this be? Okay, so the Prince of Portugal, whose name was Peter, he was 20, he married Constance of Penafiel. However, he fell in love with her lady-in-waiting, Inez oh. de Castro, which is super, super awkward. And uh, the two kept up their affair for years and literally had four children together. However, Peter's father, King Alfonso IV, fucking hated Inez and tried to keep the couple apart. Eventually, he, uh, the father sent some of his men to murder Inez, and they beheaded her in front of her infant son. Peter would then get his revenge on two of the murders, on the murderers, because King Alfonso, like, hired people to do it. He didn't do it himself. Um, Uh So on two of the murderers, he had them executed by ripping out their hearts. And uh, he... Ascended to the throne in 1357, and so once he became king, 
He had them dig up her dead body from her grave, which had been dead for some time at that point and had been rotted. He had them dig up her dead body, placed on a throne, adorned with jewelry and royal clothes, because in his mind she was his true queen, and forced all of the nobles to pay homage by kissing the hem of her garments. Ugh! And there's, like, paintings and illustrations of, like, this dead, rotted corpse just adorned with beautiful jewelry and stuff in a throne as, like, people walk up to, like, kiss her dead hands and everyone around is like, ugh, and the king is like, fuck yeah, bitch. It's so creepy. (laughs) That's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. I hate everything about that. Yeah, and then there was another one that was, like, some Game of Thrones shit. Oh, my God. It's a story told during the medieval era that took place during the 13th century, so during the 1200s. But there's a 13th century story about how Le Chatillon de Cousy, a troubadour, had an affair with the Lady of Fael, who was married. And the troubadour took part in the Third Crusade, But at the siege of Acre, he was mortally wounded. And as he was about to die, he begged a dude who was fighting with him, a man, to remove his heart and give it to its true owner. So a lot of ripping hearts out here. Um, Yeah, that seems to be a common theme. Yeah. So the man did so. He cut the dude's heart out. And when he reached the home of the Lady of Fael... He foolishly told her husband about the request. So the husband took the heart, had it cooked, and served it to his wife for dinner. And after she was done eating it, he told her what the meat really was. And so after this, she refused to eat at all and starved to death. Yeah. Talk about traumatized. Holy shit. Oh my god. And this one I just found like really weird but funny. Was, um, so this story actually appears in an official government document, but this is something, this is definitely something that absolutely happened happened or tried to be planned by the government. So a census and taxation record that was commissioned by King Edward I is what had this documented in it. It relates to how Sir Richard de Southchurch, the sheriff of Essex, this is in England, of course. Uh, came to his manor in uh, 1267 and requested supplies to help King Henry III retake the city of London against rebel barons. While there were requests that seemed, you know, pretty normal and regular, like the chickens to feed the wounded and ropes for catapults and yada yada, because um, back then taxation, people, they would ask for items, not just money. Mm -hmm. They're like, we need rope for these weapons. We need this. We need your whatever. And you had that to, like... sufficient. And you had to, like, give up those items if you had them. So, uh, Richard also asked for cocks, like, male chickens, 40 oh. and more, to whose feet he declared he would tie fire to and send them flying into London to burn it down. So his idea was to get a bunch of male chickens okay set them on fire and have them fly into panic into london to burn down london oh boy did anybody tell him (laughs) so 
People have no idea why the fuck this was requested. Like, scholars are like, uh, weird flex, but okay. Like, I think what the guy did was tie rope, like, tie fabric to the chickens and then light that on fire. So the chickens are trying to, like, run away. And as they run away, they, like, spread fire. Okay, that makes more sense than lighting a chicken on fire and hoping they fly into London. <laughs> but, it's, but it's written as if you light the chicken on fire. Like, oh he said, to whose feet he declared would tie fire. So the government document says that? Yeah. Imagine how confused people would be. They'd be like, well, do we give him the chicken or do we put it on fire first? Does he want flaming chicken? <laughs> Does he want a flaming chicken? It'd be dead by the time he got it. he was born. <laughs> yeah. So um, scholars are like, the fuck? The thing they wondered about is the practicalness of this plan. Like, is this a practical plan? This sounds really stupid. Uh, especially to destroy a city like London. Pretty big, pretty established, even back then. A few historians believe that the sheriff was just saying this to scam the villagers out of more poultry because that requires them to give up their male chickens, which mates with their female chickens, and then the female chickens lay eggs, which gives them more food. Mm -hmm. And um, if they give up just some female chickens, they can still keep their male chickens to continue mating and... Make more, make like breed more chickens, and then their chicken, like all that shit, right? Right. So <laughs> they think it was just a scam, just to get them to like give up more of their poultry, because usually a lot of farms will only have like a couple cocks, but like a lot of hens. Mm-hmm. But my favorite, oh boy, my favorite, favorite, favorite weird ass shit that people believed, I was like, what is this? So people believe that demons lived inside of Brussels sprouts. And they believe... Well, then I eat demons for breakfast. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So they believe that demons live in Brussels sprouts, and Brussels sprouts are very dangerous vegetables. And the way you exercise the demons before eating the Brussels sprouts... To avoid, because what they believe is that you ingest a demon and the demon makes you sick. Um, mm. You have to, like, cut off the base and then you have to carve a cross. Yeah, you have to cut a small cross into them before cooking them to eat. And they thought, like, the heat of the boiling water and, like, carving the cross into them would exercise the demon from the Brussels sprout so you don't accidentally ingest demons. And it was a very, very common belief in the medieval ages. So somebody ate some Brussels sprouts, got sick, and was like, it's a demon! That sounds about right. More or less, yeah. Pretty much. I There's no other explanation other than people were like, fuck Brussels sprouts, that shit's evil. Yeah. Or like, they just didn't know how to wash their vegetables. I don't, I don't know. But I it's just thought it was, I just thought that was so funny that people... I guess Brussels sprouts are evil and contain demons in them. <laughs> so that's all of my mini stories. Okay, dope. Here we go. I decided to cover succubi. Woo woo! Succubus. Yeah. I didn't know that was a medieval creature. I didn't know either, but that's where it originated, apparently. It makes sense, though. Because yeah. they're like, demons and women are evil. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we'll get to that because that's like, yeah, that's a theme. 
We love to villainize women here. Or they do in the olden days, apparently, or basically any days. It's because they're scared of us. We know too much. Yeah, exactly. So let's start with perhaps the most famous seductress of all time, Lilith. So in the Zoharistic Kabbalah, there were four succubi who mated with the archangel Samael. Um, There were four original queens of the demons, Lilith, Eseth, Agrat Bat Malet, and Nama. Lilith is known as the mother of all succubi. Uh, She appears in a lot of places. So she's in Sumerian, Egyptian, Greek, Roman, Judaic, and Christian mythology. She's just everywhere. Um, She first appeared in Sumerian culture as a goddess of fertility and witchcraft. Then later, the Assyrians and Babylonians associated her with dark demons. The Greeks gave Lilith, who they called Lamia. Don't know why the name changed, but cool. So Um, uh, there's actually a lot of name changes from biblical names. Jesus is a Greek name. His name originally in Hebrew was not Jesus. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So fun fact. Um, I guess the Greeks came up with all the names that stuck. But it's Lamia because it's a lame name. (laughs) It's Lamia. (laughs) I definitely have. Oh, I remember what I heard of it. Lamia was in uh, Drag Me to Hell. That's where I heard of it. Anyway, (laughs) but it was a totally different thing. (laughs) Anyway, the Greeks gave her an extensive backstory. She was this beautiful woman who Hera transformed into a monster after attracting Zeus's roving eye. And then in her new monstrous form, she roamed around the world seducing men and eating babies. And that's what Lamia did. And that's what they did in Drag Me to Hell. It all together. All right. You should watch that movie if you have I actually haven't, but I will now. Oh, my God. Are you serious? You would love that movie. It's so ridiculous. It's, like, campy, but also spooky. It's so good. I used to get Drag Me to Hell and um, The Descent confused, weirdly enough. The Descent? I know. okay, yeah. They're similar in name, at least. Yeah, someone one time described The Descent to me, and for years I thought they described Drag Me to Hell. I just got the titles confused. (laughs) Yeah, no, Drag Me to Hell is way goofier. Not the, not the Descent. I'm an As Above, So Below. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I could see that. That one's also... I'm getting all those titles fucking confused. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, that are just like, let's go down somewhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that was the Greek backstory for Lilith. Then, in Judeo-Christian mythology, they put their own spin on it. They described her as Adam's first wife, created at the same time as him. And unlike Eve, Lilith was not a meek partner. She refused to honor Adam as her leader. And instead, she went off exploring on her own and discovered the Red Sea, where hordes of demons lived. And because she was so rebellious, she found this place and found out that she liked demons more than Adam. So she started just screwing them all over the place. Just fucking demons. Just going for it, going to town. And began bearing Lilum. At the rate of more than 100 per day. Lilim are like demon they're little, Lilith they're babies? Little they're little succubus. Oh, 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 oh. They're little, little baby Lilith. The <laughs> baby Lilith. <laughs> yeah, um, except not so baby. Um, they were called Lilim, and they were sent out to the world as demons. And they were sexy and independent, just like their mother. And they became known as the succubi. <laughs> 
So I'm actually going to stop you really quick because I heard a really cute theory about Lilith, Lucifer, and Eve. It was this artist who just thought it would be really cute to draw a little comic about it, uh, about why Lucifer invested in Eve so much. Um, This person's idea, I wish I remembered their name. I'm so sorry, artist, whoever you are. Feel free to send me hate mail. Um, (laughs) But their idea was that... um, Lilith was created, and Lilith wandered off, just like you said, and Lucifer actually fell in love with her, and through all of some sort of bullshit, somehow Lilith either got, like, destroyed, taken away, something, whatever, and so when Eve was created, she, while she was created from Adam's rib, she was created to look exactly like Lilith, she looked exactly like her. And so Lucifer, missing Lilith, saw Eve, who looks exactly like her, but didn't seem to know who he was. He, like, lured her to him because he misses her and got her to eat the apple to be with him. Mm. And I was like, that's kind of cute. That <laughs> idea. Cool, like, actually. I would read that story. I was like, I'd read that. I'd read that Webtoons comic. Oh, absolutely. Where is that? Yeah, right? I was like, who, who needs the Persephone Hades ones? What is it, Laura Olympus? I'd, I'd read that one. Give me Lucifer and uh, Eve. Yeah, exactly. I'm totally into it. All right, so Lilith goes to Red Sea, meets these demons, hooks up, gets her freak on, and sends out a bunch of other sexy independent women into the world. Nothing wrong there, as far as I can tell. When when you think of a succubus, what do you think? Like, what is the image that comes into your mind? I always think of the fucking succubi from uh, World of Warcraft, where it's, like, a sexy woman with, like, hoof feet, with, like, dragon wings, and they have, like, mm-hmm. BDSM leather type shit, and their skin is, like, pink or something. Kind of right. like uh, Evelyn from League of Legends. Yeah, yeah. But, like, if so- you gave Evelyn wings and hoof feet. I think that's kind of her lore, actually, is that she's a succubus. So I've always heard different stuff about Lilith being the mother of succubi. I've also heard Lilith as being the mother of witches. That yeah, she is the so, first witch. So um, in Sumerian culture, she's the goddess of uh, fertility and witchcraft. So that's where that comes from. Okay. Um, and then Judeo-Christianity is where the whole Adam thing comes from. And Greek is where the Lamia thing comes in. So we have an idea of what succubi look like, except... In the day and age that we're talking about now, uh, succubi were not always beautiful creatures. So now we think of voluptuous images, like you said, women with long wavy hair, silky skin, flawless curves, like skimpy leather costumes. But early on, it was believed that succubi took a form of a beautiful young girl from afar. And then when you got close... They revealed deformities such as bird-like claws or serpentine tails. Then through medieval ages, succubi were considered hideous, deformed creatures. They were somewhat smaller than average people, and they stooped and crawled instead of walking upright. Their feet were like raptors, their faces were like gargoyles, and their fingers were tipped in ragged claws. How, so they, how are you supposed to seduce men when you look like that? Yeah, right? That's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> like, that but, man has to be real desperate and into bestiality or some freaky shit. Like, Yeah. 
So I guess the idea is from far away, they look super attractive. And then by the time you get up close, it's too late. Like the segue mm-hmm. from episode one where it's horse, skeleton horse face yes. lady. <laughs> exactly like that. <laughs> Only she's more, I guess, reptilian? More menacing. I yeah. think they were playing with the whole snake idea, snake serpent thing, if she's reptilian. Yeah. Very strange. And then while when we think about succubus today, they also have the charisma and seductive power to match their looks. So they can uh, identify what kind of furry you're into and then adjust to that. (laughs) And then be that furry. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like kind of domineering and vengeful, but like they just kind of take control over men and have fun doing it. So the ancestors of what we're thinking about today we're not like that <laughs> kind of same as the looks they had personalities that were just super fucking nasty they were sneaky they were controlling and malicious and they were sex crazed but they had no interest in pleasing men they just used it for their own purposes so i mean for some men that's their fantasy so <laughs> well that's the thing so I think that was part of the problem for some people because <laughs> they were like, I need a domineering woman who just wants to use me. <laughs> there, yeah, no, it's like, okay, before I tell you this next part, here's my fucking theory. Okay. Because they were like, okay, but she's domineering and she takes control and it's just for her. It's nothing to do with you. And these guys were like, oh, that sounds hot. And they were like, no, 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 wait, wait. So they describe. No, 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 wait. They're really fucking ugly, though. So you don't want to fuck them. No, yeah. So, but on top of that, they're like the act of sexually penetrating a succubus is the same as entering a cavern of ice. They force men to perform cunnilingus on their vulvas, which should drip with urine and other fluids. So they're really just trying to dig into this whole. She'll take control of you, but wait, let's back it up because you guys seem to like that too much. Let's make it kind of icky. Also, just quick little tidbit here. In later folklore, a succubus took the form of a siren, which I thought was interesting because I always thought sirens were closer to mermaids. And it turns out that sirens are actually closer to succubi. And sirens aren't things that hang out in the water. They're actually like bird-like creatures early on. I thought that was uh, harpies. Yeah. Yeah. So the way that they describe... Okay. I don't know. I guess there must be some mix-up. They just took a bunch of shit and combined it and messed with it. I think harpies probably comes from, like, a different part. Harpies? Oh, God, I can't remember. It's either Norse or Greek mythology. Give me a second. I'll look it up. I completely forgot about harpies. But apparently that's what sirens are, because I looked at old medieval photos, and they're just, like, cool ladies with wings, like, big-ass wings. Think Quinn from League of Legends. Yeah, okay. Harpies are of um, Greek origins. I was right. And it's a half bird, half woman creature. And, yeah, so they're um, like, we're going to take the succubus, we're going to create sirens, and then we're also going to create harpies. Yeah, harpies, uh, in, in Greek mythology at least, they would punish people on the gods' behalf. So if the gods were like too lazy to want to punish you, they would just send a harpy to go do it. Oh, okay. Well, that's fun. Um, but maybe they rape you too. I don't know. It sounds like they were trying to be like, this woman shows up, this hideous woman shows up and rapes you and you have no control and only afterwards are you upset. 
or mm-hmm. something is like it kind of sounds but the medieval like one thing I, I noticed looking up like you have said all of the monsters are just weird ass mix match shit yeah that just make no sense <laughs> they're just like we're not gonna create something new we're just gonna take a bunch of things that already exist and combine them to make them scary but also I like how they're like oh yeah your dick's getting hard all over this uh succubus well uh, her her vagina is cold so it's gonna be like really difficult to fuck her because your peen's gonna go from big to like real small really quick don't know the logistics of that don't know the logistics of that but somehow that happens you don't want some freaky ass dudes are like oh yeah urine and i'm sure they're like fuck yeah suck you maybe that's where that fetish came from (laughs) maybe i don't oh that's horrible i hope not so I, I took a um, sexuality and society class in college because it just sounded fun. And <laughs> it was literally an elective course. And I was like, I'm into that. Let's see what, you know, society has to say about sexuality in relation to. And there was one thing, if there's one thing I learned, it's that a king in the streets is a simp in the sheets. <laughs> it, it, if you're large and in charge with your job, and within your life and you're like the person who calls the shots more than likely you're going to be a lot more submissive in the bed so um it was like this idea of like people who are in charge of their everyday lives when it comes to um their sexual lives they tend to want to be more submissive whereas people who are more submissive in everyday life will be more domineering in the bed everybody has their power their power play shit okay well it's (laughs) funny that you say that because i'm gonna skip ahead real quick okay throughout history priests and rabbis uh tried to curb the power of succubi over humans however they start saying maybe not all succubi are bad there was this one guy poop sylvester poop sylvester wait did you say poop Pope Sylvester. Did you <laughs> mean Pope Sylvester? The Pope Sylvester. I'm screaming. What? <laughs> okay, so you do mean Pope. Okay. <laughs> okay, so Poop Sylvester comes along and he's allegedly involved with the succubus uh, named Meridiana who helped him achieve his high rank in the Catholic Church. And then before he died, he confessed his sins and died repentant, which, I'm sorry, that just sounds like so much bullshit to me. They're just like, succubi are bad, succubi are bad, succubi are bad. But this one guy has a fetish, and he's a priest, so we're just going to let him get away with it. But then he'll feel he'll say he feels bad about it before he dies. So I mean, way. he's not just a priest, it's this dude's a fucking pope. Can you imagine if this shit is for real? He becomes a pope because of the succubus, and then he's like, "Nah, fuck this bitch. That was a sin. I would, it was a terrible thing for me to do. Buy him out, and then dies." And the succubus is like, "What the fuck? He's like, no, let him go to heaven now. Fuck your hell. <laughs> fuck you. Buy him out. My crap." And it's just. Oh, God. Christianity is a wild fucking ride, dude. It's like, yes, let me do all of this fucked up shit. I feel bad now. Now I get eternal life in heaven. 
peace, bitches. <laughs> I like, said I felt bad, so I'm gone. Yeah. The worst part about it is that you could absolutely live that type of lifestyle as a man back in the day where you're just like, let me do all this shit, but then repent last second. But as a woman, no, you immediately burned at the stake. You're mm-hmm. immediately killed. Your hands get cut yeah, off. Like, like, say two Hail Marys and then go lie in your bed for a little while and think about things. And then girls, it's just like, you must go to the cops. You must tell them what you've done. You must burn at the stake. We it's will. Just- <laughs> oh, is that an illegitimate child? Let's cut it out of you before it's born. Like, Jesus. Let's y'all need to chill. Snoot in the streets. Yeah. It's clearly because they're terrified of women and the power we wield. Okay, so I'm getting to that. So, all right. So anyway, succubus, they use sex to please themselves, to corrupt the pious, to gain life force, or to have children, which, hang on, because this is where it gets even weirder. I mean, like, buckle in, because succubi can't bear children, but what they can do, apparently, is get sperm from human males, then transfer it to their male counterparts, the incubi, and then the incubi will go impregnate mortal women, and then they would have demon babies. But apparently what they do isn't so bad because they don't say anything about them impregnating women. They're just like, oh, it's all the succubus's fault because she gets the sperm and then she transfers it and then it gets corrupted along the way. I one time, I don't know if this is true or not. Actually, I could be talking out my fucking ass. I thought that there is some lore that says succubi can like transform into incubi. like They can shapeshift between genders. I have heard that, but okay. But I think that came along later. In Wait. medieval times, it was this. You know, you remember how in Buffy? Because we can't, we can't have <laughs> an episode, episode without talking about Buffy. So you know how Giles is just like, well, are they a vampire? And she's like, no, they have to suck your blood and then suck their blood, and it's, it's a, a whole big old suck fest. That's exactly what it reminds me of. It's just like they got to do this thing and then this thing and this thing in order to create demon babies. There's a huge fucking plot hole here because Lilith had demon babies. Kind of like bullshit all over the place in the succubus story. Speaking of Buffy, the Dracula Mm -hmm. episode, Dracula's a vampire, but he can do things other vampires cannot do. That's fair. And so it's kind of the idea of like the older ancient elder gets abilities the other younglings don't have. Yeah, it's like because they're so old, they get special. And also, if they're using humans to breed, those demons are still going to be part human, which means they're breeding out some of the demon a little bit, not too much. So what I'm envisioning is you're a succubus, and you're like, shit, gotta make demon babies, and you're like, all right, I'm gonna fuck this dude, (laughs) but then I'm, but like, think about it, he ejaculates sperm into you, right? What if you just, like, held on to it into your body, and then you transformed into a man, and then you ejaculated that sperm into a human woman? <laughs> also, isn't this, like, an, isn't this indirect sex? Like, it's like an indirect kiss when you share a Coke can. Like, <laughs> it's just indirect yes, sex. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, those two people fucked, and they didn't even know. Yeah. They didn't even Later know. On, she's just like, I think this is your child, maybe. Did you fuck a demon? Because I fucked a demon. They're like, wow, your demon it's child like- looks just like your neighbor. <laughs> it's like, what is it? Demon brothers? Eskimo demon- brothers, but like. Demon uh, siblings? I don't know. Eskimo works. brothers, but like. 
you could you could make creepy incestuous demon babies. Ew, like Ew. amongst siblings. Ew, I hate They're it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm. Well, and I'm sure that's probably the point. I'm checking but out. Anyway, I'm checking out. So, <laughs> so succubi have been around since the dawn of folklore. They are found in cultures everywhere. India has the Yakshini. Arabia has the Karna. Karnha, I know I'm saying that wrong. Native Americans have the deer woman. China has the mogwai. And Greece has the lamia. Wait, 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 wait. Mogwai? Mogwai, yeah. That's, a mogwai is the name of a gremlin before it transforms into a gremlin. Well. That's weird. It's also the name of something cute in Final Fantasy. So it just, I guess we're not reserving names for anything anymore. Wait, are you thinking of Moogle? Huh? Are you thinking of Moogle in Final Fantasy? The little no. white guy with the little, like, circle red orb on his head. Is that little... what it is? I thought. Hang it's on. It's called I'm a Moogle, yeah. But it's probably oh, taken. Wait. And Gremlin. Yeah, there's just, I, there's so much. <laughs> there's so many. I can't even tell you the amount of weird things that popped up in the images section for Moogle. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's impossible to tell which ones came first, but the earliest mention is in uh, medieval English. And it's like a combination of Latin words meaning to lie down. Um, but by the late 15th century, these or to get demons, laid. Hey, bow, 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 bow. Um, but by the late 15th century, these she demons were well known and often discussed by theologians who tried to explain their origin and their ability to reproduce. Later, succubi popped up in witch hunts. Women who tried to seduce men were accused of being succubi in disguise, while women who became pregnant outside of wedlock were accused of consorting with incubi. And then during the Renaissance and Romantic period, interest in grotesque, subversive female demons declined, and instead artists shifted their attention to the Greece's Lamia, who is both beautiful and unfairly cursed. So a little more romantic, I guess. Basically, if you're um, hot, like, you're shit out of luck in a lot of cultures. Yeah. Basically. I hate that. That's fucking bullshit. Like, it's not mm-hmm. your fault you're hot. Um, and it wasn't until the rise of Gothic literature that Succubi became... Uh, or started to reclaim the spotlight they were still changed from their original form and this is where it starts to become it starts getting away from these creepy crawly creatures and now they're more beautiful and intelligent and more charismatic and charming um kind of like vampires so from a psychological uh perspective the legend of the succubus is fairly straightforward Men were intimidated by women who took control of their own lives and their own sexuality. So they demonized any type of rebellious behavior, which is what we've been saying this whole time. This is a part that I thought was pretty interesting. There might also be a biological explanation, because even back in the medieval days, 60% of the total human population suffered from sleep paralysis and caused, uh, we know what it is, but it's a sporadic condition that causes the brain to regain consciousness before the body does. So during an episode of sleep paralysis, people suffer from hallucinations involving all five senses and an extreme sense of terror. And these symptoms could easily be mistaken for demonic visitation. So some people thought that succubi came from sleep paralysis. Wow. Which I thought was kind of cool. That is cool, actually. And it's crazy that that many people were suffering from it. Yep. That is crazy i didn't know a lot of that lilith's origin is interesting because some people also believe her to be mother of vampires as i think zergrat pointed out earlier but Mm -hmm. to me like when i think of like origin of vampires i always think of like elizabeth bathory and dracula not dracula Dracula but like uh vladimir like uh 
Mostly Elizabeth Bathory, because she actually came first for... Mm-hmm. Bethuwy. Good old Bethuwy. Good old Bethuwy. Uh, before... What the fuck's his name? Vladimir... Is it actually Maybe? Dracula? <laughs> or Dracul? Uh, I know it means dragon. Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, yeah, Vlad the Impaler. I did think it was always a little weird that Dracula's name is Dracula when I'm like, that means dragon? But okay. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Um, So I had two creatures I had looked into. One, I decided to look into unicorns just because I was curious about unicorns in general because I was kind of like, where did that come from? Because it's such a basic mythical creature when you think about it. It's just a straight-up white horse with a horn. And um, while we know that it doesn't exist, it's really crazy how people really did believe it existed for a long-ass time. During the medieval time, people believed it to be real, not mythical at all. It wasn't believed It's a taxidermy. But mm-hmm. the idea of the unicorn actually predates the medieval era. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, the unicorn, like, similar creatures exist in other cultures, like in Korea. In Korea, they have their own unicorn called the, like, Killin, which sometimes has one horn, sometimes has two horns. They have, like, statues and shit of it. And weirdly enough... In 2012, North Korea, being North Korea and ridiculous as it is, announced that they found an ancient layer of unicorns. I'm sorry, a what? A layer, you say? Layer. Layer. Oh, layer, like L-A-I-R. I I thought you meant, like, there's a layer of unicorns under this pile of grass. No, no, no. Real excited. Think of like a cave, but, um, like a cave of unicorns, like a layer. L a i r, a layer of unicorns, um, just six hundred feet from a temple in the capital city. Oh, how would someone miss that? Okay, yeah. They just looked over these horned horses because they have an ancient story about Korean King uh, Tongmyong who had ridden one of these ancient unicorns into battle but they're not actually called unicorns they're called like kinen it's just really really similar to a unicorn it has like it has it's, it looks like a horse it's hoofed and it has horns except it typically has two horns unless one was broken off and therefore it would have one horn um but yeah, also, like, the reason why that's important is, like, what are the chances of a similar creature existing in more than one culture? Well, apparently that happens a good bit. It happens a very good bit. The myth kind of got out of hand and kept hyper-evolving over time. <sighs> Give me a second. So the unicorn was written by a dude named Pliny. About 1,600 years ago, he was a dude, he was a writer, and was like, this is something that exists, I've seen it, let me write about it. And he goes, the unicorn is the fiercest animal, and it is said that it is impossible to capture when alive, and it has the body of a horse, the head of a stag, the feet of an elephant, the tail of a boar, and a single black horn, three feet long, in the middle of its forehead. So that's what this dude during the medieval times wrote and was like, this is something that exists, that exists. I've seen it. This is what it looks like. 
And um, due to the fact that he said it has the feet of an elephant and the tail of a boar, a lot of people think the dude actually saw a rhino, like an African rhinoceros, and yeah. was like, it's a unicorn, especially like... <laughs> I mean, he's not entirely wrong. But like, come on, dude. <laughs> but and I can't imagine looking at a rhinoceros and being like, it's a horse. It's but, a horse with a horn. But the unicorn also shows up in the Bible. And, really? Yeah. And it's sometimes instead referred to as the oryx, which is a kind of antelope whose antlers were indeed sold as unicorn horns in medieval times. So people would kill antelopes, take one of the horns and sell it and be like, it's a unicorn horn. And that becomes important later. And it was part of a type of antelope cattle called an auroch, which actually went extinct in the 17th century because it was hunted so much. So it wasn't Yeah, because people that... wanted their unicorn horns. Jesus. Yeah. People are the worst. Yeah. Apparently in Numbers 24-8, it says, God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of an unicorn. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. And one common theme is that the unicorn is, like, really fucking vicious. And it's written that it can very easily take down an elephant by using its horn to rip open the elephant's stomach running underneath it. So this is where I'm going to mention Cabin in the Woods because they 100% did that in Cabin in the Woods. I thought it was very strange that a unicorn existed in that, but now that you're explaining it, it makes so much more sense. It does. It's it's said to be a very, very violent creature. Which is strange to me. I'm just like, unicorns, yeah. pretty things, girly rooms. They hang out with children. I don't know. They wear ballerina shoes. So I'll um, actually get to why they hang out with children in a second, because that's part of the oh. lore. Okay. So in the 7th century, the scholar Isidore of Seville said that the unicorn is very strong and pierces anything it attacks. This guy also helped popularize the myth that would serve as a hallmark in European folklore for centuries to come, that catching a unicorn is impossible unless, and this was very, very widely believed during the medieval era, unless you have a virgin woman. Oh, God. The unicorn likes virgins, which Everything might, likes virgins in medieval lore. Which would be why it would like children. So mm. the unicorn is too strong to be caught by hunters, he writes, except by a trick. If a virgin girl is placed in front of a unicorn and she exposes her boobs to it, all of its fierceness will cease and it will lay its head on her bosom and thus quieted is easily caught and it'll suckle from her breasts until it is lulled to sleep. Cue all the men dressing up like unicorns. Cue all the men being like, we're going unicorn hunting and like grabbing some girl and forcing her to like show her boobs to everybody. Gross. Yep. So the medieval era, there's this one particular painting, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, a painting that became very, very famous. And it's of a woman with a unicorn, like, resting its head on her boobies and a dude yep. stabbing the unicorn to death. 
And in that depiction, the unicorn looks like a little, little tiny donkey type horse with a really fucking long horn, but it's all white. I think that's Mm -hmm. part of where the idea of like this all white horse comes into play as a unicorn. That's where it kind of became pretty iconic. That is how you catch unicorn, but why is it important to catch unicorn? For whatever reason, at during the medieval era, some were saying that because the unicorn is a biblical figure, the unicorn actually stands for Christ. <laughs> yeah. Christians, just let us have these things. Yeah, <laughs> and the unicorn stood for Christ since he was captured and put to death like the unicorn is done in by the virgin. Um, and though pretty much every other animal was also compared to Christ during the fucking time, even the pelican, which was said to peck at the its pelican. own breast to revive its young with blood, like oh, Jesus God. shed his own blood for us. So, like, literally every single animal in existence was like, it's Jesus. It's yeah, at dumb. this point in time, the unicorn became firmly implanted in European lore, and it became a full-blown hunting mania for their horns which were said to be able to detect poison if you stir them around and you in your food or drink so royalty was obsessed with getting unicorn horns because they were so scared of being poisoned and killed and taken over like okay am i alone in thinking that this is some witchcraft shit and they would normally be putting this down yeah but the rich people wanted it so it's not yeah, okay so if rich people want it then it's not witchcraft got it mm-hmm. good god so the unicorn is actually a beast that has been associated with medicine and pharmacy for hundreds of fucking years the unicorn actually also dates back to ancient greece in its own weird way and so the unicorn's scientific name is the alicorn and it detects poisons it cures fevers it delays signs of aging and serves as an aphrodisiac okay so they took something and they gave it a new name and they're like this is science now so people would hunt antelope and that other animal I mentioned that went extinct and would bring it to royalty and other rich people and sell it for an insanely high price saying that it was a unicorn horn and they would try to use it for all of these things. Yep. So the unicorn technically kind of dates back during the time of Alexander the Great, um, which is 356 to 323 BC. And it is said that his stallion Bucephalus uh, wore golden horns in battle, and that gave rise to the legend of the unicorn was Alexander the Great. Bucephalus was actually a black stallion, and unicorns were always said to be white. Another possibility is that their existence could be based on early reports of, obviously, the rhinoceros, Mm -hmm. um, because the black horn kind of doesn't make sense for a unicorn. Also, you can't discount narwhals. You cannot just not count narwhals. I bet people totally killed narwhals because it was always said that their horn is a spiral. Depictions of the unicorn are also found in bestiaries of the 12th and 13th centuries. It is a pretty unusual animal among the mythical animals in that people still believed its existence all the way up and after the Renaissance. So all the way up until the Enlightenment period, which is the 1700s, people still believed unicorns were real and and tried to hunt them and find them. Ugh, what a beautiful world. I know. (laughs) Which, why is a unicorn anywhere near an elephant? They kill elephants? 
That's what tells me it's a rhinoceros. <laughs> Why the fuck is a unicorn anywhere near an elephant? Oh my gosh. So um, that's the unicorn, but I had one more mythical being I just had to fucking talk about because I was like, what the literal fuck is this? And it is called a Belmiere. So a Belmiere is a headless man whose face is on his sternum. And the pictures are fucking wild. Oh my god, I've seen what you're... I didn't... I literally scrolled past the picture, scrolled back up to look at it one more time, and then kept going. But I know exactly what you're talking about. And apparently the Belmier, while they were believed in, like, European medieval times... They were believed to be an African tribe of headless men native to Libya and Ethiopia. And they were also believed to be eight feet tall, completely headless with faces on their sternum. But sometimes they even combine other creatures onto them. And there's this one creature called the Panati, which has like enormous ears that wrap around its body like a blanket. And some people, like, combined a lot of creatures together to create this weird ass. Like, there's this drawing I have here that's from the 16th century. I'm trying so hard to describe this thing right now for you, but it's a dude. Imagine a dude with a head. The head has weird big goblin-type ears, a big, like, anteater-like nose. It has a dude's face on the stomach, but it has, like, a lamb and a wolf head for nipples dog heads for elbows and dog heads for knees and I like I'm putting it in the blog it's the weirdest looking thing I've ever fucking seen and it has only four fingers and four toes on each hand I'm just gonna go ahead and send you the image because it's like wild to look at yeah I really want to see this and that's part of the uh, oh Lumiere legend because it has the face on the stomach. Yep. <laughs> I um uh But this is typically what the Blimier were supposed honestly, to look like. You know what it kind of makes me think? It makes me think that these were tattoos oh, what? and a mask. Oh, like someone got a face like, tattoo. It's real. It's real. <laughs> Yeah, so they were very terrified of this barbaric monster from oh, Africa. Shit, I would be <laughs> they were believed as far back to ancient Roman times from fucking northeastern Africa. I don't know why, but they did for some reason. This type of uh, lore put a huge stigma against people born with birth defects. Mm. And it made them want to harm and persecute and hurt people with birth defects. Like, you see the dude's hands, how it has four fingers? Mm -hmm. I I went to middle school with a girl with hands who looked just like that because it was a birth Mm -hmm. defect, you know? But they're like, oh, you're a demon if you were born during that day and age. Yeah, or or you're somehow related to, like, a blimier, which for whatever reason is eight feet tall. And some even say it's eight feet tall and eight feet wide, which I'm like, how is that possible? You're just, like, a giant square? Yeah, what? (laughs) Like, how does that even work? Look at their beards. They have beards coming down, which I think is really funny. Oh, yeah, I see it now. Yeah, in addition to these weird-ass dudes, and also later on... Like, later in the medieval period, they were also believed to be cannibals. 
so that they would eat you and shit and it just made them even scarier and uh they also believed during european medieval medieval era that um are they called monopods yeah monopods existed and lived in ethiopia i don't know why europe was so scared of ethiopia but they fucking were don't know what happened there but okay and a monopod, I'm about to send you a photo of because, again, it's weird to describe. It's a dude with one leg and one giant foot. Oh, I did see this one, too. And they like, use... He's, he looks really into his giant foot. Well, it's because like, he uses you are my it... my best friend. It's because he uses it as shade against this hot sun. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I just thought he loved it so much. Yeah, their trunk... It's a trunk-like foot that doubled as a parasol when lying on your back. These beings were born out of imagination and ignorance during enduring for so long simply because if history has taught us literally anything, it's that humans are really good at being scared of people and deformities and anything that's weird to them. So it doesn't even fucking matter that it was like a far-fetched monster. Like, they believed these beings to exist all the way from, like, Adam and Eve time. Like, they were like, these things have always been around. They're ancient monsters. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They even believed that there were humans who existed with, like, dog heads and stuff. And that all of these beings knew each other and, like, chilled. Unfortunately, if you were a conjoined twin, you would be considered one of these monsters. So, like, babies with two heads and stuff. First of all, a baby with two heads is not a mythical creature. It's a real thing. But it's just considered to be a horrific monster to them. And then it went so much into being so scared of people with deformities that they believed that if you were born with a deformity, it's because you're not in God's favor. Like, God doesn't yeah. care about you or like you. And that's why you're fucked Anything up. Anything different cannot be accepted. Yeah. God forbid. And so um, there's a bunch of other monsters kind of like the Blemier that are just like a weird ragtag mix of different animals and shit. Like how you said with, you know, like mermaids and um, the manticores, which is similar to a griffin and like a basilisk even. And there's just so many weird creatures. Also, I didn't, this is something that was in my article that you didn't mention about the manacore, is that apparently the manacores are supposed to have a voice so sweet that it is flute-like, and it lures people to their death, kind of like sirens and mermaids. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I never realized. But yeah, no, dude, it's, shit's fucking wild. So that's kind of all I got on that. Same here. I just can't believe unicorns were literally believed to exist up until the 1700s. That's literally like up until bitches up until America was born were like, yeah, unicorns are real. Let's hunt them. <laughs> like that's that's wild. And that's the moment of fucking uh, silence for all the people on the day that they realized that they weren't real. I feel like you're the kind of person who never believed in them or died believing in them. No in between. Did you see, um, oh, fuck, this reminds me of, uh, did you watch the show American Gods? I didn't. (gasps) Kelly. Kelly. I feel like you've talked about it I have, because it's that good. You, you would love it. It is good. It doesn't really announce what it's about when you're watching it. You kind of figure it out as you go along. 
mm-hmm. which is something I like about shows that do that. I enjoy watching shows that do that. But the overarching idea is that if you believe in something, it exists. And hmm. if you don't believe in it, it loses power and or ceases to exist. And it's called American Gods because it's about about how people, when they migrated over here, brought their religion and faith with them, but over time either lost it, forgot it, or it didn't become as popular. And the show is about how it affects the existence and livelihoods of those particular gods because they are all real. That sounds interesting. And it's so good, dude. It's so fucking good. But one in of my TV show? In the show. And one of my favorite side stories is about the existence of like fairies and leprechauns. Yeah, I was about I was literally about to reference like, I do believe in fairies. I do, I do. Yeah, it's like that. And it's so <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. All right, I'll give that one a try. That okay. Right in my alley. It's it really is though, and it's fucking brutal too. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, then, score. So I guess that's our promotion. Well, actually, I have a podcast that I do want to tell you about that I recently discovered and I'm obsessed with. I think it's super fucking good. It's called Radio Rental. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about it at all, but it's narrated or hosted, I guess is the better term. It's hosted by Rain Wilson, so Dwight Schrute from The Office. Yeah. And he has, like, his own little character that he plays um, where he's, like, this guy who runs a video rental store and he plays videos of people describing like the scariest things that have happened to them, but they're all real stories. So some of them are ghost stories. Some of them are like, like near death experiences and they're so fucking good. It's such a good podcast. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> but I had to tell you about it because I feel like if you listen to it, you would really enjoy it. What's it called again? Radio rental. Radio rental. Oh, Okay. Thank you so much for listening, guys. This has been Corn the Cob, and uh, keep it creepy. Keep it creepy. Music by freestockmusic.com. For blog posts showing visuals for each episode, you can find our blog at cotmpodcast.com. If you'd like to help support us and receive discounts and loyalty rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash macabre. We record every episode live Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash thetigerwizard. If you can't find us on your favorite podcast app or site, please let us know and we'll fix that. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates on episodes, blog posts, and special events. And don't forget, keep it creepy.